Okay, we're going to pray over the word as we open it, but can I ask you to stand to your feet as we honor the reading of God's word? I want you to open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm going to read two passages of scripture, and again, I'm coming out of the New Living Translation, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and then we'll actually go back a chapter, and we're going to read chapter, uh, one single verse out of chapter 10. And let me just say, verse 23 is where we'll begin. I, I made a strong statement in a video that I did on, on social media yesterday that I believe we've been receiving communion wrong. Uh, I don't believe that we have been giving it the honor that it is due in many ways or engaging in faith in the way that the Lord would have. And I just want to encourage everybody in this place, lean in to what I'm about to share tonight and really incline your ear. I, if there's any important message that I've ever shared, this is an important message that I'm sharing tonight. I really believe it's going to shape the way we look at the Lord's Supper and what God desires to do. In fact, I really believe that God is going to begin to move dramatically in our midst as we receive this. And so I'm going to share this passage and then I'm going to, I'm going to share why this has come so strong into my heart. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 23, are you there? Kim is there. Is anybody else there? Are you there? All right, and here we go. For I pass on, this is the Apostle Paul, I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. He gave thanks to God for it. He broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourselves before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. You'll see why we take this seriously. This is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Now I want you to go back one chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and I want you to go down to verse 16. And this is what it says. When we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? No, we are many. We all eat from one loaf of bread, showing we are one body. Let's pray, and let's ask the Lord's hand on this time as we open his word together. 
God, I just commit this word to you right now. And I pray that over the next few moments as we uh, begin to explore, this is one of the few things that you gave us clear instruction, do this. And God, tonight we want to honor you. And I pray, Lord, that even upon me you would release a great anointing, O Lord. Come on, church, can we just pray for a moment? Can you just ask for a mighty anointing to be released across this room? God, we just pray for an anointing to rest upon each and every one of us in the mighty name of Jesus, that you would anoint me, O Lord, that I would preach with authority your word as I ought to tonight. And I pray for an anointing upon every person within the sound of my voice. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart that perceives what your spirit is speaking. Even now I bind the works of the enemy. He who would seek to distract, to distort, to confuse, or uproot the word as it comes forward. And Lord, I pray that you would move and minister in our midst tonight. We commit this time and this word to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. A number of months ago, I had a dream. And the Lord speaks to me through dreams. He gives me, a, you know, sometimes dramatic encounters. And I, uh, in this dream, I was experiencing the presence of God. I woke up and realized that I'd been crying even in my sleep. And essentially what had happened is in this dream, I had experienced God powerfully in the receiving of communion. And I call a pastor and I begin to tell him exactly what God has been showing me and what I've been seeing the Lord do just in the receiving of the bread in the cup. How miracles were breaking out, how the Lord was releasing his power even in this tradition that we've been doing for thousands of years. And I remember in the dream as I began to share this with him, he was absolutely stunned to the degree he's like, I'm buying you a ticket. I want you to get on a plane right now because I need you to share this with my congregation. And he wanted me to come out. He wanted me to express this. And I, I remember sharing this with Leah and it really began to move me into this place where I began to study and begin to dig in. And what's wild is I'm not the only one that God has been speaking to about this. Even as I've begun to dig into this, I've been watching other notable ministries really begin to reconsider the way we receive the Lord's Supper. In fact, even this last week, my wife was uh, watching, I believe it was a memorial service, Bill Johnson, and he had received a prophetic word from Lou Engle about how God was going to be releasing a new wave of revival through the receiving of communion. And I'm looking at this, and I'm like, God, you are doing something across the body of Christ. In fact, you may remember, uh, it was a, a little over a year ago, maybe even two years ago, Dr. Morocco began to share about a revival that was breaking out in a number of different locations, that as people were being baptized in water... Miracles were breaking out. People with cancers were being immersed in the waters, and as they came out, the cancers were gone. Healing was breaking out. People were getting baptized in the Holy Ghost, just getting dunked in water. And it was one of these. It's like, God, this is a tradition that you've given us that we've honored for thousands of years now, but the Lord was breathing new life into it. And I believe that God desires to do the same thing through the Lord's Supper. In fact, one of my concerns, and the reason that, that, that I'm really coming with this is some of you may have grown up, and I'm not going to get deep theological with you tonight, 
But if you grew up in a Catholic tradition, you may have heard the verbiage, uh, in fact, in theology terms, we call it transubstantiation. Everybody say transubstantiation. transubstantiation. Now, what in the world does that mean? It's the idea that when we take the bread and we take the cup, that it literally becomes, it literally transforms, transubstantiation. It becomes the substance of Jesus himself. And that's what the Catholics believe in, they practice. And so they, they receive this. Now, I, I do have theology uh, conflict with that. When you begin to dig into Hebrews and the idea that we crucify God afresh, it's literally what happens during the mass in the, in the performing of the Eucharist. I, I do believe that it's out of line. But here's my concern. I believe that most of us in non-Catholic worship traditions, well, we don't believe that. We don't want to crucify afresh the Son of God because Hebrews specifically said there's judgment reserved for that. And so what's happened is we've gone so far to the other side that we say all this is is a symbol. All this is is remembrance. And I'm just here to tell you tonight, guys, even the passages, and I'm going to highlight a couple of them tonight. I believe Jesus intends for the Lord's Supper to be more than a moment of remembrance. More than a moment where we just say, God, I, I recognize that you did something powerful. As important as that is, I believe there's more to it than what we have been doing. Now, you'll notice we read there in chapter 11, and you just hang out in these chapters because I'm going to reference some things in this. I've heard many pastors, even as we work through this Lord's Supper, and even as we share in this together, I've heard many pastors make the, the statement, now don't receive this in an unworthy manner because you'll eat and you will drink judgment unto yourself. And I believe that that's true. How many of you believe that that's true? That if we receive this in an unworthy manner, the Bible says that for this reason, there are those amongst you who have become sick, those who have become weak, and those who have even died because they dishonor the body of Christ. And there's a couple ways that we can do that. Um, by the way, when it says sick, I think we all know what sick is. It means you physically get sick. If you dishonor the body of Christ, you can get sick. We don't want to be sick. It says that some of you have become weak that's emotional sickness. That's mental anguish that's actually coming upon individuals. If we dishonor the body of Christ, we can become emotionally sick. And then, of course, we all understand what it is that we may even die. I don't want anybody dying because we receive this in an unworthy manner. I'll never forget, we were in a service. In fact, the first church that my wife and I pastored was a first Christian church. They had just broken off of the denomination because they began to see a mighty move of the Holy Spirit. People were getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. There was one girl in particular who uh, the doctors had told her, you will never have babies. You physically cannot carry a child. But she actually got connected with a group of YWAM. 
and they began to pray for her, and she conceived a miracle child. In fact, now she's got two beautiful babies. Uh, her and her husband love the Lord. They've done multiple DTS mission trips and all of that, and she ended up coming back into a church that was cessationist. They believed that the gifts of the Spirit had ceased, and, uh, and here she is standing, walking, breathing miracle, holding a miracle baby, and it completely shifted the atmosphere of that church. Now, they held on to some of their traditions, but now they were aware, okay, well, we need to change our theology, and people started getting baptized in the Holy Ghost, and that's when my wife and I came into the picture. Now, one of the things that the first Christian church believes, they believe that baptism is essential for salvation. If you have not been baptized in water, you're not going to heaven, period. I don't believe that, but I believe that there's something to that, and maybe in the future I'll, I'll get to that. But the other thing that they do is every single time they would gather for worship, they would receive the Lord's Supper. Now, the reason I stopped that is because I'll never forget, there was a young boy, he was probably, what, six or seven, you know exactly who I'm talking about. He was a young boy, and we would all come. There was a particular time in worship, similar to our healing time, where everybody would come and they could just freely receive the Lord's Supper on their own. And I'll never forget looking over and seeing this young boy like grabbing fistfuls of the crackers and just chowing down on them and multiple, you know, just like a shot glass, you know, just taking all of these shots of the, uh, of the juice. And I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm like, there is no fear of God and this, there's no reverence in this moment right here. And so I brought it to the elders of that church and we began to shift it and, um, but as I'm observing this, I think there's a reason why so many denominations highlight the Lord's Supper as often as they do. And I do think there is something to receiving this with fear and with reverence. In fact, a couple of the things, I think, first of all, we need to recognize exactly what the Lord's Supper represents. I feel like part of the reason, in fact, some theologians have said the reason some are sick and weak is because we have not given it the place that it deserves. That if we would receive the Lord's Supper correctly, that the sickness, hear me on this, if we would receive the Lord's Supper correctly, that those who are sick and those who are weak and even those who are about to die, that in the receiving of the Lord's Supper in faith, God would restore them. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's almost the opposite. Not that God's going to strike you because you dishonor this, but when you give it the place of honor, God's actually releasing miracles. Now, the other part of this, and we know that Corinthians goes on to talk about how we need to examine ourselves. Because if we are regarding sin in our lives, if we are separated from God, but because we don't want to look bad in front of other people, well, I'm just going to go and take this and put on the show anyway, you're eating and drinking judgment unto yourself. And the Bible says, examine yourself. That just means you take a moment. We're going to do that tonight. Get right with God before we receive this. And he says, if you will do that, then God will not judge you. And that's a good thing. Now, you'll notice in 1 Corinthians 10, in verse 16, I just want to highlight this one idea and then we're going we're gonna to dig into this tonight. It actually says, in fact, let me, let me read to you again what it says. 
chapter 10, 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 16. When we bless the cup at the Lord's table, by the way, that is a formal blessing that comes from the priest. Um, so, so what would happen is in the receiving of the Lord's Supper, um, they would actually, and, and we're going to shift this in our church, it passes through the hands of a minister to bless the bread and to bless the cup before it goes into the hands of the parishioner or the worshiper. And so we're going to do that even before we end our time together. In fact, we, I'm, I'm okay with the prepackaged deal that we've got. We're going to do some creative stuff in the next couple weeks. But um, we've even ordered some, you know, some communion trays and all of that uh, because... There's something to the priest handling and blessing it when we bless the cup at the Lord's table. Watch what it says. Aren't we sharing? Everybody say sharing. We are sharing in the blood of Christ. And when we break bread, we are sharing in the body of Christ. That is the Greek word, and you, you may have heard this word before, koinonia. Everybody say koinonia. Koinonia, does anybody know like what a basic translation of that word is? Fellowship, I heard somebody say it. Everybody say fellowship. fellowship. I've seen churches named Koinonia. And essentially it's like they, they emphasize the fact that we're going to do life together. We're going to walk together. We're going to be together. But here's what I think is fascinating. This passage is saying that when we receive the bread and when we receive the cup, we are koinonia. We are fellowshipping with Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but in fact, did you know the most common word to describe the marriage relationship in the New Testament is koinonia. The interaction, the fellowship, and the unity that my wife and I share, that a spouse shares with, with one another, it's koinonia. It's not just, I mean, how many understand? There's symbols within marriage. I have a ring. It represents my marriage. But there is real active fellowship, communion, union that happens between me and this woman of God. And this is my concern. That is the word that is used to describe the Lord's table. Not just a symbol, but there's actual union and communion and interaction with the Lord as we receive the Lord's Supper. I want you to begin to, to raise your expectancy for what God can do, even through the receiving of the Lord's Supper. Because I feel like, how many of you have had encounters with God in the place of worship? How many of you have had encounters of God as you heard the preaching of the word? Something penetrated your heart. Oh, it spoke. How many of you received, a, you've had encounters with God in the place of prayer? You're praying and the Lord ministered to you. We've all had encounters with the Lord in these. Why? The Lord desires to fellowship. And I feel like we emphasize that in worship. God's going to come and he's, he's creating his dominion and his authority. He's, he's enthroned on the praises of his. Like we expect God to show up in worship. We expect that his word is living and active. It's going to penetrate our heart. It's going to speak to us. We expect, we expect encounters with God as we pray. God's going to do something. But do we approach the table of the Lord with that same sort of faith? Or is it just a, thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. I remember what you did and how you suffered. 
and it stops there. Guys, I want to begin to posture my heart to say, God, in the same way I've had radical encounters with you in worship, in prayer, in the word, I believe I can have experiences and encounters with you even as I receive of the Lord's Supper. There is union. There is partnership. This is what koinonia means, partnership. We're going to look at that next week. There is union with God, and there is, uh, another word for koinonia is common. And again, we're going to look at that in a future week. But let me give you one example. Because you'll notice even here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, you notice, he says, if you receive this in an unworthy manner, you're going to eat and drink judgment unto yourself. How many of you believe... That if we dishonor the body of Christ, the Bible is true, and we could eat or drink judgment unto ourselves. We believe that, and we've been warned about that. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, it says that we have koinonia, fellowship with the body and the blood of Jesus. And then the very next example, if you continue to read on through the rest of that chapter, it actually talks about how, how if we are to engage in idolatry, if we were to eat things sacrificed to idols, if we were to worship other idols, it actually says that we have koinonia with demon power. Now, we've all been taught about opening doors to the devil, haven't we? That if, I, if I'm engaging in sin, I'm giving the devil opportunity to harass my life. If I'm engaged in witchcraft, I'm giving opportunity for Satan to come and harass my life. We all understand this. I was shouting and hollering at the youth kids at the, in, in this youth camp the other week. I said, don't come to me and ask me to pray a magical prayer over your lust issues if you've still got doors open. I will pray for you if you unfollow the the people on social media that make you stumble, if you delete the pages that you've got saved on your, on your telephone, if, you know, however that's working, you set up accountability, you make decisions to shut the door, then I'm going to pray with you. There has to be action because we understand. I open the door in sin, I'm going to be harassed by the devil. What I think is interesting, this is the very example that he's given. You, you mess around with idols, you mess around with sin, you're going to have koinonia, bad koinonia with demons. But he uses the same exact phrase to talk about how in the receiving of the Lord's Supper, we will have koinonia with God. And again, you just you see this idea, okay, I know if I mess around with the devil, he's going to mess around with me. Why is it? When was the last time that we approached, and just to put it in these terms, I receive the Lord's Supper, and in receiving the Lord's Supper, I am opening doors for God to minister to me. Have we ever received the Lord's Supper that way? When I receive this, I'm opening the door for interactions with God. This is how I want to approach the Lord's Supper tonight. Now, I'm going to give you the benefits of the body, and the benefits of the blood. This is what I believe God's going to do here tonight. The benefits, in fact, I'm going to give you the benefits of the blood first because um, this is probably what we're more familiar with. How many understand that through the blood of Jesus we receive forgiveness? Everybody say forgiveness. 
Matthew 26. In fact, you can turn there if you'd like to. Matthew 26 and verse 28. This is where the Lord institutes the Lord's Supper. In Matthew 26, and look at verse 28, what he says. He says, this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Jesus shed his blood so that we can be forgiven. And this is part of the fellowship that you and I can have with the Lord. As we receive of the Lord's table, we are affirming once again, you have made a covenant with me, Jesus, that cleanses me of all of my sin. It's powerful. Justification. In fact, I won't read all these verses to you, but I'll give you the, the, the verses. If you want to study these, if you want to pray about them, maybe even tonight as we receive the Lord's Supper, you say, that's what I need, and I'm going to read that verse. The Bible says in Romans 5, 9, that through the shedding of Jesus' blood, we have been justified. It's close to forgiveness, but the idea of justified, it is a legal declaration that has been made in heaven that you are not guilty any longer someone say thank you Jesus your sins have been forgiven in fact this is how I was taught elementary theology terms justified is justified never sinned justified never sinned that's exactly what justification is it's a legal declaration declaration you are innocent. We know in Isaiah 53, part of the benefit of the shedding of the blood of Jesus was for our healing. Everybody say healing. By his stripes, we were healed. Jesus has paid for it. He's made it available. I shared in that video I did the first miracle I ever saw that I knew this is a God thing was in the receiving of the Lord's Supper. As we took the bread and as we drank of the cup, I watched that night dramatic a woman come out of a wheelchair. And a few moments later, there was a boy who he'd like gone up for like a, you know, a, a layup or something playing basketball. He came down and his head hit the top of another boy's head. He ended up biting through half of his tongue. And I saw it. I'm just telling you exactly what happened. He receives the Lord's Supper. I saw his tongue torn open, and I saw his tongue completely whole before the night was done. In the receiving of communion, God was working miracles. Isaiah 53, by his stripes, we are healed. Hebrews 10.10 says, through the shed blood of Jesus, we are being sanctified. He's making us holy. And Ephesians 1.7 says, through the blood of Jesus, we are redeemed. Everybody say redeemed. That means that we have been bought back to Jesus. You don't belong to the world. You don't belong to the devil. You don't belong to sin any longer. You belong to God Almighty because of what Jesus has accomplished through the shedding of his blood. I know I'm giving these to you quickly because in just a moment, we're going to move and we're going to share in this. Now, we hear so much about the blood, but I want to talk for a moment about the body of Christ. 
As we come, yes, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And I think it's important for us as we receive of the Lord's Supper, Jesus, I know that your body was broken. I think about this when I receive the Lord's Supper. That they smashed a crown of thorns upon the head of Jesus. That they pulled his beard out of his face. That they drove nails into his hands and into his feet. That he was tied to a post and he was whipped 39 times with a horrible, brutal whip. In fact, most historians believe that that was a cat of nine tails. Nine different cords on this and interwoven into those cords were pieces of bone, pieces of metal, or possibly even pieces of glass. And the Bible says that Jesus wasn't even recognizable as a man by the time that this was over. And so we remember the sacrifice. Yes, we remember the sacrifice. But here's one of the things that drives me. You want to know why I pray for healing every time we gather together? I am sure that when Jesus shed his blood, he shed his blood on purpose. It wasn't just a general broad thing that he just threw it out there for, you know, just whatever. No, he had specific assignments for his blood. He had specific assignments for his forgiveness as he was releasing that. His sacrifice was intentional. And that means every time we get together, I'm driven by the idea that Jesus, you shed your blood so somebody who's here today could be healed. You shed your blood so that somebody here today could be forgiven of their sins and received into your kingdom. It drives me. And so as we remember the sacrifice of Jesus, as we partake in just a moment, I want you to consider, Jesus, is there anything in my life that you need to do? Is there any benefit of your suffering that I have not yet received? Because I don't want your suffering to be in vain. And so three areas, three reasons that Jesus allowed his body to be broken. Have you ever received the Lord's Supper and expected through the receiving of communion that God wanted to pour out financial blessing in your life? The Bible says in Matthew 6, 11, it's the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. A picture of the bread is a picture of God's provision. He's going to give us every day what we need in order to live our lives. And part of what we understand, the Bible says that Jesus became poor and he suffered loss so that he could make us rich. That's wild, church. Part of what Jesus has purchased and made available to us through his sacrifice was provision in our lives. So even tonight, if you have financial need in your life, now this may seem crazy to you, but Jesus, I believe part of what you did, part of your total work was so that I, your son, your daughter, would not suffer need in this life. You're going to give me what I need. You know what my needs are. And I recognize through the breaking of your body, you have released blessings upon your children. That's a big deal. The second thing, oh my goodness, now this is amazing. Exodus chapter 12 in verse 17. 
He's instituting, the Lord is instituting now um, what we call the, in fact, if you look there real quick. Now, this is, this is so cool. I bet you've never thought about this, but you watch. God's going to begin to do stuff. You're going to eat a communion wafer, and, and, and watch what he says. Celebrate this festival. This is Exodus 12, 17. Celebrate the festival of unleavened bread. And it will remind you, I brought your forces out of the land of Egypt this very day. This festival will be a permanent law for you. Celebrate this day from generation to generation. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, in the same chapter we were reading about communion, the Bible talks about how those who were led out of Egypt were baptized into the baptism of the cloud and the sea. They literally went through the, uh, through the somebody help me, through the Red Sea, Dead Sea. What is it? The Red Sea. Okay. <laughs> They went through the, they, they went through the river, okay, and uh, and they were, but this was this was a sign. It was a remembrance of their deliverance. Everybody say deliverance. They were in captivity, and the Lord delivered them. And Moses institutes this idea, this festival of unleavened bread. When you receive this, let it be a remembrance that I have delivered you. And it connects the same two ideas in the New Testament. Are you guys confirming that? Is, is it Red Sea? Thank you. I should have done better homework on that. The Red Sea. So somebody just won Bible bucks or something. Um, anyway, we... Um, but 1 Corinthians 10 connects those ideas. This is within the new covenant. And I just read that. It says this will be a permanent law for you. Celebrate this. Did you know that through the receiving of the Lord's Supper, I believe God desires to release deliverance. That we can have fellowship, koinonia, with the delivering power of God. That as we receive this... Lord, I have oppression in my mind. I feel a, 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 like the devil's harassing me in this time and season. I believe part of what God desires to do in the receiving of the Lord's Supper is to move his people in freedom. Have you ever expected that as you receive the Lord's Supper? And here's the last one. John chapter 6 and verse 35. In fact, worship team, if you would come. John chapter 6, in verse 35, says this, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. A few verses later, in verse 47, he says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. And then in verse 53, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise that person at the last day. My flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. 
I live because the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. The Lord's Supper, this is living bread. It's living bread. I believe Jesus, he didn't say, this is a symbol of my body, a symbol of my blood. He said, this is my body. This is my blood. He said, if you eat of me, I will be in you. I will be with you. Guys, this is crazy. I don't know if you, like, like for real, Jesus would always come. The woman at the well, she's thirsty. He was thirsty. And Jesus comes and says, I am living water. I have everything that you need, everything that you think you need in this life. I have it. I am it. And in the very same way, he's, he's sharing this with people who've been following him. He's just multiplied bread. The Bible says that they followed him around. They followed him around the sea, the Gadareans. He's casting out demons. He comes back, and they're like, make us more bread. And he's like, no, no, no. It's not about bread. It's not about me multiplying food. I am bread. What you're seeking for, the hunger that you feel, it's not a natural hunger. It's a hunger that only I can fill. When we receive of the Lord's Supper, we receive of the person of Jesus everything that he has made available for you and I. So listen, in a moment, I'm going to bless these elements, and this is how we're going to do tonight. I'm not going to walk us through, take the bread, take the cup. What I'm going to do is I'm going to bless these in a moment. We're going to move into a time of worship. I don't know if you got my message. I... Can we do that other song? Um, and we're going to move into a time where we recognize this. Now, I want you to even consider right now, do you need forgiveness? Do you need healing? Do you need sanctification? Do you need to be redeemed? Are you believing for God's provision, for God's deliverance? Or are you believing for the person of Jesus to, to come and make his dwelling in you and with you? I want you to approach the table in faith tonight that God I need healing in my body and as I receive this I believe that you're going to do it for me God I have great financial need but you said you would give me my daily bread and as I receive this bread it's a picture of what you've made available to me God I need deliverance my emotions are heavy I'm burdened I'm anxious but I believe that even as this bread, it's a sign of the deliverance that you brought to the children of Israel in the same way you have the power to deliver me. Whatever the need may be, I know I've shared a lot and one, of these, one or more of these may stick out to your heart. Now, can I just ask you to stand all across the room? Just, just keep it low here for a second, you guys. go back to the first thought that we shared and 
that is this, that we are to examine ourselves. And maybe you're here tonight and you know, I have sin in my life and there's things that are separating me from God. Don't receive this in an unworthy manner tonight. If you're here, I'm going to lead us in a simple declaration, but there may be things that you need to personally, before you come down and take up these elements, that you need to say, Jesus, I need you to forgive me because I've blown it here, I've blown it there. I know that I've grieved you when I, when I said this, when I thought this, when I acted this way. You make sure that your heart is right with God before you receive this tonight. But part of what he's done is he's forgiven us. And so right now, I just want to lead us in a very simple declaration. If you need Jesus to forgive you, I, I want you to pray this. I, maybe you're watching online. In fact, I, if, if you're of the faith already, you know you're right with God. I want you to pray this. We're, just, we're going to lift this up together. Come on, would you just pray right out loud? Dear Jesus, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me. I have sinned. Cleanse me, Jesus. Wash me in your blood. Forgive me of my sin. I ask you to be my Savior, the Lord of my life, and my very best friend. And tonight, I come to your table with faith that you are able to do all that you've made available through the shedding of your blood in the breaking of your body. I remember it. I'm thankful for it. And tonight, I want to receive that which you've made available to me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now here's how we're going to do this. I'm going to bless the communion. And... What I want to do is, this is going to be at your own leisure right now, okay? Um, I know we have people that are watching us online, and as soon as I finish blessing the communion, um, we're going to take the live stream off. And you share in this in your home, with your family, uh, on your own, however you are right now. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to bless this, and, and then we're just going to open this table. You can come and grab it. You can find a place to kneel. You can go back to your seat. You can lay on the ground. You can walk around the room. But we're going to worship. And I'm going to just allow you. We're going we're gonna to keep our worship team here as long as people are still engaged in the place of faith. Um, and we're just going to, like, God, I want to experience you as I receive this tonight. And so, um, you know, if there's a young person here, I, I think everybody here is probably old enough to understand exactly what I've shared tonight. Um, if you're a parent and maybe you want to walk your children through this, uh, that's absolutely fine. You do as you feel led to. If you're a couple and you want to do this together, that's fine as well. Um, we're going to fellowship with the Lord. So, Lord, I thank you for this beautiful way that you've allowed us to receive of your sacrifice. God, I don't know, up until a couple months ago, I never approached this table expecting to encounter you, but tonight I do. God, even as I hold this in my hand, I bless this communion, this bread and this juice that's in this basket.
Lord, I bless both of these and is the as the pastor, as the shepherd, as the head of this house, I bless this Lord's Supper tonight. And I ask, Lord, that it would be set apart for your plans and purpose, holy and sanctified unto you. That, God, you will bless it. And that all that you've made available through the breaking of your body and the shedding of your blood, you will release to your sons and daughters tonight. So, Lord, we bless it. Even those who are at home, God, I bless the elements that they're about to receive together as a family, as individuals. Lord, minister to us as we fellowship with you through the breaking of bread together. In Jesus' name I pray.